This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. Around the table with me is Jonathan and Ryan, regulars, and but Vinny is out of town, and so Matt Mishevich is willing and able to fill in for him, so it's great to have you, Matt. And Well, thank you for having me back. Yeah. Matt pastors a church down in Nampa called Sovereign Grace Fellowship, and That's right. he's been on the air with us yeah, multiple he's, times. He's, he's our regular guest. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm, am I the token Baptist? Or? No, no. no we, <laughs> am I the you're, Ron you're the, you're, not, you're not the only one. You know, we like so to say we have would, Baptist you would, friends. So. Yeah. <laughs> You're not the only one. We, we, we do we, not have you on to fulfill a quota. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that does actually match partially what we're talking about. We're answering some questions that have come in from listeners. And yesterday we talked broadly about some economic questions with regard to communism, socialism. Um, there's a whole, a whole slew of things that have come up in our culture today dealing with socialism as socialism is being in essence applied to other arenas of life and this is where you get critical theory and the whole mess of that's associated with that we didn't talk about and we're not planning on talking about any of those things we've addressed those in the past but this is crazy for me just to step back a moment i'm i'm a history major from my undergraduate degree and taught history for um, nearly 15 years and it just amazes me the the quote unquote comeback of socialism because it it actually has historically been proven to be dysfunctional <clears throat> and has created societies where it it's not it cannot sustain itself mm-hmm. and so the fact and i think it's largely because of of chronological snobbery that we have so many young people today that don't know history enough to realize that this is a, a theory that that has been in essence in essence historically debunked yeah that historically it's been found wanting yeah the 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 phrase from weighed and found wanting yeah you know it actually has been tried and it and it always fails always fails but now you put the word democratic in front of it and then it like becomes this is okay. be something okay yes 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 well and the comeback is always well it hasn't been tried properly yeah right yeah yep yeah, yeah. so in this general arena, we're going to just still talk about some economic things, but we received a question that dealt with the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 42, question and answer 110 and 111. I'm going to just read those, and then we're going to talk about some issues related to some of the truths in those. It says, what does God forbid in the Eighth Commandment? And he says he forbids not only outright theft and robbery, which governing authorities punish, but in God's sight, theft also includes all evil tricks and schemes designed to get our neighbor's goods for ourselves, whether by force 
or means that appear legitimate, such as inaccurate measurements of weight, size, or volume, fraudulent merchandising, counterfeit money, excessive interest, or any other means forbidden by God. In addition, God forbids all greed and pointless squandering of his gifts. And then the second question, 111, would be, what does God require of you in this commandment? That I do whatever I can and may for my neighbor's good, that I treat others as I would like them to treat me, and that I work faithfully so that I may have may help the needy in their hardship. And one of the questions is, does the Heidelberg Catechism then speak against some of the action of the government in their taxation, wealth redistribution, inflationary policies? Is that then wrong? And then second, if it is, how should we then respond to it? So let's take the first one. Is then the action of the government in violation of what the Heidelberg Catechism is laying out in Lord's Day 42, question and answer 110. We're all looking at it. Who wants to say it? Who wants to take the version? What I would say is that the Lord's Day is dealing with individuals. Yeah. And so it's very difficult to... Here, here I'm asking and answering my... Yeah, you're, it's you're, not my question, so... No, I, I understand what you're saying. So no, we the, can't universalize the, that. There are, there, you know, for instance, let's just look at the uh, Good Samaritan. Wonderful example of taking care of somebody. But that doesn't mean the church has to create an ambulance service and, and a that, hospital. We may do those things, but that... We, we don't universalize what might be appropriate to an individual. So the catechism is written for individuals within a church context. So it's very difficult then to take what is what is written for the people of God and apply it then to a government that is not actually functioning in a theocracy. Mm-hmm. So right. in the Old Testament, you have a, a situation where you do have um, governments underneath not just underneath God as far as ordained by God, which all governments are, but you have a specific situation where God had specifically set up a theocracy. Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't exist today. We don't have any theocracies today. The United States is not one. Mm-hmm. So we can't just arbitrarily take truths from the church and apply them to a government institution. We can take principles and, and pray that our government officials apply those biblical principles in their work in the institutions that they've been called to, but that's a different category. And of course, Jesus said, render to Caesar what is Caesar's and mm-hmm. render to the Lord what is the Lord's. There is, in, in saying those things, we recognize that there are different spheres in which we operate. For, and, and even in the institutions that God has created, there's the family, there's the, there's the church, and there's the nation. The nation has the power of the sword. The, you know, the, um, the church is, has the power, uh, a declarative kind of power. You know, in, within the family, there's a head of the family within the the church. There's elders within government. Uh, there's there are government officials, but over all of them is the Lord. Yeah, and I, I do think also we have multiple layers of questions that need to be asked, and so much nuance that goes into questions like this. For example, we do know that all of the civil magistrate is a minister of God, has been ordained by God in the civil sphere. Romans 13. Romans 13, uh, which I have pulled up on my computer mm-hmm. here to look at. And But um, 
on top of that, here's the question is just for example, the United States, is it within its constitutional boundaries as well? It, it's ordained by God, but is, is the United States being, are they being uh, legal in some of the taxation and some of the inflationary things that they're doing? That's a question that we need to ask as well. And when we ask that question, how we answer that then determines how we engage with our government with regard to within the confines of being a, a respectful citizen that God of the authority that God has placed over us. Mm-hmm. So, we, how we respond to if we believe that the government is in error, our system of government has mechanisms that allow us to work towards rectifying the error of our of our institutions, mm-hmm. which is not rebellion. Right, and I think that one of the things that I, I mean, I'm speculating here, but in and seeing questions like this, oftentimes I hear it in the context of almost withholding. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, if the government, if this is a, a legal or sinful taxation, then I'm just going to withhold my tax. I don't have to give because it's an evil institution. It's going for evil purposes. And I think Jonathan is, you know, quoting Jesus's own instruction here when he was asked, you know, do we pay such and such tax? You know, the taxation itself may be sinful according to the catechism that was read but that doesn't negate our responsibility as citizens to follow the laws that have been laid down you know whose whose face is on the dollar bill whose face is on the coins like render to caesar what is caesar's and then render to god what is god's i mean i can tell you the ones that are on on the bills in my wallet, which might be entirely different. Than well, they're the, not going to be there any longer anymore. We're all going to di- digital coins, right? I'm glad to know that you have bills in your wallet. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> but then the larger then question is, I mean, as we seek to, to, to live out the, tr- the biblical truths in the Lord's Day, um, a, a related question was, dealing with a, a statement that an author had said that if you do not actively and generously share your resources with the poor, you are a robber. And they're wanting to know, well, is this author correct? And um, I would, I, so there's a sense that I understand what he's saying. I don't particularly appreciate the words that he used. The author that, or the that, questioner? <laughs> the, the author. Yeah. Um, because uh, that implies that that which is shared belongs right to mm-hmm. the receiver right mm-hmm. and, and therefore there's no grace it's it's what's due mm-hmm. and and therefore it's no longer sharing and it's no longer a gift it's it's obligatory because he owns it yeah, i think like you we can last, say oh go ahead oh just going to reference what we talked about yesterday a little bit there you know there's that overlap of the the cheerful giving uh the things that aren't done under compulsion god never you know requires people to give in a sense of a mandated there's he he's he's desiring a cheerfulness and a willingness and a desire to give and i think regardless of what he's given to us whether it's a little or it's a lot we should see how we can use it to better his kingdom to further his kingdom and if that's helping as uh i believe it's james maybe it's john I'm blanking which one it is. It says if we see our brother in need and just say, Lord bless you, then we're not really meeting a need. We we, have, we do have a responsibility within the church to come alongside our brothers and sisters in a time of need and if we have the resources to help them. 
Well, I think James is saying James, James. Yeah. But mm-hmm. Paul also I get my says, J's mixed up yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, that's completely fair. <laughs> uh, Paul also says this in, in Ephesians where he says, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, mm. doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Mm-hmm. So I think you can go to the part and say that if we, God has blessed us with resources, there is an obligation right. to share those with those that are in need. Mm-hmm. And then if we don't, I mean, you, we can quabble about yeah. the word rob, right. that you're a robber. I don't like that phraseology. But I would say that if you're not then in sin, boy, you're right close to it. You're unloving. Well, I think that one of the things that we find, you know, even when uh, in the pastoral epistles, when it's dealing with widows and those that are in need, it actually defines that need. And and the church has a responsibility sometimes to go back to uh, the the family and and say this is not a true widow. You are actually responsible for this. Even though we might take on that responsibility, we have to address the family that has left that burden on the church. You know, the, in, I referenced Second uh, Thessalonians yesterday, and you know Paul talks about his relationship. You know, he's. He said, you ought to imitate us because we were not idle when we were among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor, we work night and day that we might not be a burden to anyone. And he says, this is, a, this is the example. We hear there are some are among you who walk in idleness, not, as, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now, such persons we command and encourage in the Lord to do their work quietly and earn their own living. And I think at the heart of all of this is God is saying, I have given to you so that you can be a blessing to other people. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yep. And if you're not willing to do that, I think you have to step back and say, why does this quote bug me so much? Is it because I, I'm, I really don't have the generous heart that God is looking for from me as his, his child? Well, that's all the time we have for today. We'll see you next time. <laughs>